0: Good morning. How are you? What a blessing to be with you today. What a blessing it is to be together in Jesus' name. And though uh, lots of us aren't here together, I just want to make you most welcome today. And may the Lord bless us to rejoice in His great salvation. I really appreciate your faith. And those of you that don't feel comfortable being here yet, we certainly uh, appreciate your faithfulness and thoughts and prayers or internet viewing or whatever manner that God would bless you. to worship him whether through this church media or other church medias uh, that we would keep God close to our hearts and a mind on Jesus all the time we need that so much would you bow with me for a moment of prayer this morning we thank you heavenly father for the privilege that we have a want to to come to you today we come lord in the name of jesus for he lord is our savior our mediator the captain of our salvation and oftentimes Lord we get off the path and we miss the mark of your calling to us we have so many doubts and fears and we seem to be tossed to and fro even but Lord we know that your strength and you're that solid concrete marker that cornerstone And we thank you so much that you're unchanging Though we see so many changes around us, we Heavenly Father look to you now from where our help comes. As we do the hills and realizing you're the creator of all things. Help us Lord to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Help us Lord to take the devil seriously. Help us O Lord to take him seriously because that's what you came to do. That he would not have power. And that he Lord would be finally done away with. We help, help us, Lord, to have discernment, to be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. Oh, God, bless this waiting congregation. I pray that you would bless every aspect of their life. I thank you so much for their prayers and their love for you, and their study of your word and their influence and the witness that you have given them. Help them all, Lord, not be discouraged, not one bit, but continuing to look to you, the author and the finisher of their faith. And many others, Lord, that are viewing in different places, I pray that you'd bless them right in their homes, right in their hospital rooms, beds of affliction, whatever situation they're in, oh God. You're able, Lord. There's no walls that can hold your Holy Spirit back. We ask you, Lord, to help us. We pray that you'd open eyes of those that seem like don't even want anything to do with you, But you can, Lord, change the hardest heart. There's nothing too hard for you. And we just surely thank you, God, that you've been merciful to us, our unworthy sinners as we are, to come, have just a glimpse to touch your garment, to magnify and feel the shadow of your grace in this weary land of sin in which we live. Bless us now and lift up Jesus. In your precious name, O God, I pray. Amen. So would you turn with me today to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9. I'd like for you to go there with me. I'm going to try to deal with this subject of the devil. I don't think we talk about him enough. Jesus talked about him a lot. But I pray that the Lord would bless us today as we undertake this. I feel like I've had a lot of spiritual warfare this week and I think that's probably why. I'm trying to deal with the subject of gripping life in these uh, turbulent times, and um, we talked last week about the foundation, and we, we have a bottom that's important to know no matter how muddy life gets, that there's a foundation, there's a bottom, and we have that with God. We cannot fall out of His arms, His hands, He has a grip on us. I think sometimes we need to be more mindful of his grip on us than trying to grip him. Although I think it's really important that we assume the responsibility that God has given us as believers to respond to his almighty grace. That he does equip us to fight the good fight of faith. I want to mainly make us aware this morning that we are in a warfare. We're in a spiritual warfare. And as we approach the end times it's going to get even more tense. I'm one of those, as far as my end time view, believe that the church will be right up to the very end. The church will not be raptured in the sense that we'll miss all the the horrific things that's gonna happen. And I pray that God would bless us to be more warlike, more staunch in our faith and our witness. I really, you know, I was thinking maybe it was the music this morning, uh, the prelude there, Thinking about my grandchildren. And I tell you this devil is a, is a horrific being. He wants to destroy you. And he never, he never gives up. His death sentence has already been met on the cross. But his execution is yet. And we're going to see that in Revelations 20 verse 10. There's coming that time when he will be gone away with. But God has given him a little rain. And he's doing as much as he can to deal with it, and to destroy you, to divide you, to cause as much chaos, to discourage you, to take away all the influence of God that he can. He would take your very soul to the depths of eternal hell if he could. And the thing is, and here's the crisis, which I think is a greater crisis than COVID-19, that unseen virus that we all seem to be battling and rightly so. But there's another unseen being in the world his name is jesus i mean his name is satan there's an unseen being named jesus too that we can't see he's our intercessor in heaven but i'll tell you the the spiritual warfare that we fight the demonic influence that is in this world will make covid 19 look like a sunday school sniffle and i pray that we'd be mindful of it the crisis though is that it's all done under deception. It's all done under uh, the Enlightenment age. It's all done under the perverting of the truth. It's making us feel guilty for standing up and believing what God says we ought to believe. And he's no different, it started way back at Eden. That's the same way the devil did with Adam and Eve. And that's what he's gonna do with us as much as he can. But we have the remedy, we have Christ. And I pray that we would put him on today because he is our armor and we need him so much. So today I want to talk the second message regarding uh, gripping life and the times we're living in, getting a grip on life. Take the devil seriously. You know, it's amazing to me how many Christians, professed Christians, do not take the devil seriously. I don't know what what you feel about it. Uh, I I imagine you that are in law enforcement know that you got to take him seriously. You probably know a little more about spiritual warfare than some of us. Um, But all of us have been under the influence of demons. All of us have been a part of the spiritual warfare that wars against our soul. If you say, well, If you ever wonder if you've met anybody that's that's been uh, acquainted with demonic activity. You don't have to wonder any longer. You've met yourself. Okay. Just look in the mirror. Um, And as as we deal with this. I pray that the Lord would give us a tighter grip on Christ. um, Away from this world. And give us the strength to not give up, and to fight the good fight of faith. I was reading in a, in a very uh, uh, noted uh, theologian's account of demonic activity and Satan, and, and he said that 35%, this was a, a Barna Group poll that was taken a few years ago, 35, only 35% of professed Christians say they believe in the devil, that he is a real being. Uh, lots of people think he's a symbol of, of uh, evil he's a real being uh, the devil is God's devil and and there's no no let me go ahead and say this there's no battle that God is fighting against the devil there's no comparison of God Almighty and the devil now you want to compare the battle you can compare it of, of Ma- Michael the archangel and the devil You remember when Moses was buried, uh, the devil wanted his body, and Mark, the archangel, fought him off. Uh, I bet we would all be really, really, we would take him seriously, all of us in this room, and all of you listening, if we really knew how close we have come to demonic activity in our life, how close the devil has come to our very lives. I believe that with all my heart. And, and so, so we need, it should cause us to bless God more and, and be strengthened in this, in our, in our ways. But I want to read, uh, I want to use as a text, an account in scripture from Luke, as I ask you to turn there with me, Luke 9, and i are going to read verse 37 through 42. And I want, to, I want you to keep in mind the context of this, this is right after the transfiguration. One of the most blessed times on earth the disciples had with the Lord. Don't ever get too, too bold in your face that, that you don't think the devil will sneak around. He's a sneaker, and he's a liar, he's a deceiver. And uh, Jesus called him the father of lies in John 8, 44. And yet he does that. He's not going to be dressed, you know, with a pitchfork and a red suit. He's going to come in enlightenment. And such a, you know, the Bible calls him an angel of light. I mean, he's not going to be what we think he would be. He, he's going to make us feel really, really good. And, and make us feel guilty if we deny anything that he's trying to promote. So, as we look at this, look at these verses with me. Right after the sermon or the transfiguration. In verse 37, and it came to pass that on the next day, When they were come down from the hill, much people met him, that's Jesus, coming from the hill, the Mount of Transfiguration. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, or I beg you, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son thither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. My first point this morning in taking the devil seriously is this. Make sure you know that when you're coming to Jesus, the devil will throw you down and tear you. Don't ever think that just because you're coming to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Now understand this, when you're coming to Jesus, the devil hates that. I remember when my brother Ricky was, gosh, he was, uh, I guess, a grown man. And he, got, he, he wanted to be baptized. He was coming to Jesus. That's the way you do it, I think. And once you're coming to Jesus, you're already Jesus, by the way. Because he says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will know wise cast out. Now the devil will throw you down in that very statement and make you think that you're not worthy to come to Jesus. He'll make you think that you're not as good as somebody else. That what you've done just cannot be forgiven. But you keep going to Jesus. You know, I remember years ago when I first started working forestry in this area, I was was over on the road. I'm talking about gripping life. And you need to know where you're going. You need to make up your mind if you're gonna come to Jesus. Now you come to Jesus because God has given you that unction. Well, you've got to put a Joshua in there somewhere, and you've got to say, as for me and my house, we're coming to Jesus. Now, there's a lesson in parents right here, for parents. You know what? You bring your child to Jesus. And I'm not talking about just the church. You bring your child to Jesus every day, and you manifest the truth in your life. Not only by the words of God and the words of yourself, but your life. And you bring them to Jesus. That won't keep the devil from trying to throw them down and throw you down too. I remember when I was doing that work years ago. I went for me with the. I was trying to find Santa Claus, Georgia. You ever been over there? I mean, it's, I didn't know there was a place existing. I lived here all my life. I thought at least in Bullock County. So I was over there one day and I was riding on the road looking for somewhere and. I, I was trying to get to Santa Claus. I was supposed to meet a man there. It wasn't Santa Claus. But I was on this road, and it was somewhere over in the Tapno County, somewhere, and I, uh, I was across paved Road, just a county-maintained road, and there was a house right on the corner. And I remember stopping there, and I was lost. You know, it's not a good feeling to be lost. And sometimes your pride is so you don't want to ask anybody where you're going, how to get out. And I remember this... This farmer was out there in his yard in his overalls, digging around something and I stopped and I said, sir, I said, could you tell me where this road goes? And he looked at me, he said, son, where do you wanna go? And I said, well, I wanna go to Santa Claus. He said, you can't get it there from here. I said, you can't. He said, look at me and he spit his tobacco and he said, son, just, you got to go down to that next row and turn left. That's where you got to start if you want to go to Santa Claus. You know what? If you want to go to Jesus, there's some places you can't go. You got to start, you got to start in trust and believe in him. Now the deal is when God puts that unction in you to go to Jesus, you go. You go. But you understand you're going to have some resistance. You understand that it's not going to be easy sleazy. It's going to be a a, a manifestation of going where God's called you to go and staying on the road. I was telling you about my brother. Well, he he was baptized, and I remember just as clear as it could be. I was thinking this morning, he stood on the porch of the church over there at Upper Black Creek. And we were all gathered around with him and the preacher was out there, Brother Woodrow Beasley and, and uh, I remember my brother saying, well maybe the devil will leave me alone now. I've been baptized. And I remember Brother Woodrow, you ever know Brother Woodrow about this high, but he had a big voice, you know. And he said, son, says, I got news for you. He's just starting on you right now. You know, I look at my brother's life and he's a lot better now, thank God. But I'm telling you, no doubt for me and you. I mean, the devil, when you start going to Jesus, he will tear you down. Now, he will throw you down. Now, I, wanna, I want you to look at some scriptures. I don't want to get too, I don't want to necessarily be a Bible thumper, but I want to prove to you from God's Word that the devil, now listen to me, the devil is involved in your everyday routine. You hear me? Every day. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out, out here to talk about, uh, you know, some mystical thing, you know, that, that you got to be, you got to take this guy seriously. And and, and I want to show you that some people were coming to Jesus and the devil threw him down. One is in Acts 5 and verse 9. And you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Well, there was a time when the Christian church, they were gathering their things and promoting the kingdom of God. Well, they decided to tell a lie. You know where they got that from? <laughs> look at verse nine of Acts chapter five. Then Peter said unto her, well, let's look at, uh, yeah, Acts five nine. Yeah. Acts 5, Oh, verse three. Verse 3, I'm sorry, just work with me now. Acts 5, verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You hear that? You know, when you tell a lie, you know, I say, well, that's a white lie. You know, sometimes we'll tell, oh, just kind of get out of a, keep from being embarrassed or something. That comes from the devil. That's where that comes from. Now, now, you know, it's not that the devil can make you do anything, but I'm going to tell you, he suggests it. He will give you that thought. Now, that is a spiritual warfare. Then look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9. I'll tell you, the devil wants to break your marriage up. You hear me? And you say, well, what does he do about that? In, verse, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, Apostle Paul Talking about husbands and wives and their intimate relationship. He says, Defraud ye not one the other. He's talking to a man and his wife, or wife and her husband, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. Now, listen why? That Satan tempts you not. For you in contingency. That is for your lack of self-control. You see what Satan wants to do? You see how he does it? He is going to destroy. He was going to tempt you. Now he does that through people. But it's Satan that's working in that so-called middle tier I call it. And, and that is that is the most devastating. That is a spiritual warfare that that we find. And um, Yeah, I could go on. in Luke 22, here's the Apostle Peter coming to Jesus. Luke 22. And you remember he denied Christ. And he says there in Luke 22, in verse, uh, what, 31 or so? Yeah. And Jesus said, the Lord said, Simon, Simon behold satan hath desired to have you that ye may sit he may sift you as wheat you know what he wants you to be a coward that comes from satan my friends and then uh, in first thessalonians i believe it's the, i know it's the second chapter i think verse 18 the apostle paul said he was hindered from coming to the church He told that church he said because the devil hindered me. See, the devil hinders your service. He wants to just come in and stop any of those things that go on in your life. Now, I was reading, uh, I bet Brother Berman and some of you others in the military know of this. I I didn't know this, but I was reading, there's a a military manual uh, called The Art of War. And I understood that all the Marine Corps was required to read it. And Brother, Brother Berman is agreeing with me. And there's a a man by the name of, uh, sung two years ago, hundreds of years, that wrote this manual that is still proclaimed, and it's how to deal with your enemy. And there were three laws, and it was one that if you know yourself and you know the enemy, you need not worry about even a hundred battles. If you know yourself and do not know the enemy, then you'll lose about as many battles as you win. But if you don't know yourself nor the enemy, then you don't have a chance. So what I'm trying to say, we need to know our enemy. I want you to know that according to Scripture, according to God, we're living in the time when satanic activity is more Profound and pronounced than ever before. In verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, listen. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, this devil, the satanic influence, he is so undercover. He is so deceiving that he works in the name of religion. I want to tell you, my friends, there's a lot of things going on that Christians are doing as experimental things that are not anything other than demonology. And it's coming under the influence of things that that appear to make you feel good, appear to give you this and that. But keep in mind, that's how the devil works. That's his deception. That's what he wants to do. And we need to be mindful of that. In Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to look at that with me for a second. And you know what, it's there. I know you do. In Ephesians chapter 6, how could any Christian, by reading this, not believe in the devil? And that he's real. Because God gives us armor. Look at, Chapter 6, in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, the apostle says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's why it is. This is not for a hundred years ago. This right now. And then he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is the spiritual warfare that we're under today in the United States of America. That is where we need to understand that we need to put on the armor And Romans 13, 14. Now, I don't have time to go over the armor, but you can put that all together in Jesus. Because Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the only armor. Jesus is the only one that can really deal with the devil. You see from from the text, don't you? The disciples couldn't do it. And they called on Jesus. You know what? We're no different. Apart from Jesus, we are no different. We're no different. What a blessing it is. You know what? I'd rather be thrown down and torn going to Jesus than standing tall and unscathed walking away from Him. Wouldn't you? I'm going to tell you. What a blessing if you have to crawl to Jesus. If Satan just throws you down and divides you and makes you wonder. And so many times he does that. He does that in doctrine. He perverts the truth. You know, right now people say, well, how do you folks believe in election? That's nothing but the devil. You know, the Bible teaches us, you know what, people say, well, I, I can't be one of the elect. That means you do nothing or I'm not good enough. You know what? We need That's why he tears you down. He tears you down and makes you think that. But we need to trust God's word. And we need to understand that. That we're all depraved. And you know what? If we're coming to Jesus, we are the elect. Don't you let the devil steal that truth of hope from you. There's nothing too much. You say, well, my son or my daughter or my mom or my daddy, That's not doing, living this. You know, God can change their hearts. You pray. You say, well, I just don't feel like I'm... You get on your knees. I hear people say, I've had a few Christians even. I think, Brother Randy... I've committed the unpardonable sin. I say that's impossible when you repent, when you have a discernment of coming to Jesus and you understand that you're guilty and you understand that He is the remedy, that there's no unpardonable sin for a repentant sinner. There's not. The grace of God is greater than any sin that we'll ever do. Oh, we need to rejoice in that. But the devil will tear you down. The devil will say, well, that's not fair. The devil will say, that doesn't make a lot of people happy. But God is God. And what a blessing. I want you to know that before the devil, there was God. Isaiah 14, you want to know where the devil comes from? He tells that's Lucifer. And there was Lucifer. And there was elect or non-elect angels that fell with him. Multitudes of him. And except for the election of God, we'd all fall. You know, really, there's only two categories of people. There's only two. According to Ephesians 2, we were all children of wrath, even as others. Children of the devil or children of God. Now, you might think that sounds hard. You might think that's just pointed. But I'm going to tell you, we need to rejoice in God's mercy. We want to thank God that we're not living in hell today. Because Jesus Christ has took your place on the cross of Calvary. He's bought your, your uh, soul. He has given us his righteousness. And the devil can't touch us in that regard. And what a blessing that is. So when you're coming to Jesus though, don't be surprised of the enemy throwing you down and tearing you. And taking away, he would take away your soul. We must take him seriously. That's what I want to say. You know, the Bible talks about being soldiers of the cross. Uh, It talks a lot about the armor we just read, Ephesians 6. But you know, we we, as a world, the world view is that, well, this world is a playground. And it's the devil's playground, but we don't understand it to be a battleground. We do, and what a blessing it is when God gives us that grace. To take him seriously. That is the devil. Because you know what? Once, once you make up your mind. To suffer for Jesus. And follow him. You've really made up your mind to quit sinning. <laughs> it all goes together. And it's a battle. It's a battle every day. It's a battle every day. And, and so what the devil wants to do. Is get us in a rut. Bad habits you know. You know the devil will bring these things up. These passions that we had years ago. Maybe something happened. He'll bring that stuff right back up. He wants to keep us in a rut. He wants to think that we can't get out. And then God doesn't really care for us. Okay, secondly, here's another thing about taking the devil seriously. Firstly, he will throw you down and tear you when you come into Christ. But then secondly, the devil will make you look at yourself and not at Christ. See, that's how you decide the difference between what's spiritual by the Holy Spirit and what's a demonic spiritual leading. Are you thinking about yourself or are you thinking about God? Because the Holy Spirit will teach us that we're really sinners. That's exactly what we are. We need God. The Holy Spirit will, will give us the right attitude of our helplessness. But then it's preparatory for us to embrace him as our Savior and to understand our need of him, Jesus. Because, here it is. Think about it this. See, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, I think it's Revelation 13, 8, uh, was done before the devil was even fallen. (laughs) See, God's plan was already in place. God's plan of salvation, it wasn't like, here comes the devil. God said, well, I got to do something about it. No, no. See, the devil is a major player in God's plan. You hear me? The devil is. See, devil, God uses the devil to promote his glory. To promote him, his glory of his salvation. That's why the devil is allowed to do what he's allowed to do. God allows him to. I don't understand it. I wish it wasn't so, but I'm not God. But he will make you look at yourself and not God. That's what happened to Job. You know, the devil asked for permission to take away things from Job, and God allowed it. And Job started looking at himself. And yet he was wondering where God is. And then when God showed him his sovereignty, Job repented in that blessing. See, the thing about the mind That's what the devil likes to play on, your mind. See, this spiritual world is greater than the material world. I think it has more power, for sure. I think about it from the aspect, and this is a positive aspect, I believe. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, he could walk right through a wall. If he had a Bible, he could walk through the wall. Wall couldn't stop him? I think that's one indication of the power of the Spirit. But in the mind, you see, the mind is where the Satan, the satanic powers like to influence us. This is what I think. This is the mind. You know, that's what Satan did in Genesis 3. You remember? He gets Eve and he's so subtle. And he says, he puts a question mark on God's Word. That's what the world's doing today. I mean, I just say, hath God said? You remember, that's what he said, opened up with her. Hath God said? Is it really true? I mean, that's still going on today. And so, so he says to her, there's nothing, you, you really won't die. You know what? That's, the world today is full of occultists. The world today is full of things that, that are satanic, under the shroud of something that is promoting our intelligence. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's what happened. Because what happens is the devil tries to get Eve to, to question God. And you know, now you see things like people believe in reincarnation. That's nothing but the cult. Meditation. You be real careful when you start meditating and channeling and all that. I'm going to tell you, the spiritual world is real. The mind is powerful. We're to have the mind of Christ, okay? And you stick on him, and you lift him up. And he gives us the victory because he's the one that said, lift me up. He tells Moses, the serpent was lifted up, the brazen serpent. That brazen serpent is judgment. And the serpent is indicative of of Satan that Christ God judged. By his work on the cross. And you lift that up. And so Satan is like that. The mind is so real. So powerful. And we need to be really, really careful. How we deal with our minds. You know, anger and hatred. Things like that are going on. And he tells, you know, remember he tells us that. This knowledge of good and evil. He says God just tried to keep. You know what, so much of the satanic world in the day is met where's it at? Where do you think you look on the tv these kids that are rioting most of them a lot of them are young college you know where the black lives matter you know where the uh a teeth what is it a teeth a teeth and all that kind of, that is the college group most of the time this age of enlightenment i know my girls and i know my you get into a college professor and we got so many good ones but, but then some, they're gonna question God. That, that's where it's coming from. It's, it's an age of, of the academia, of this world view. And that's a battle that we gotta deal with. We gotta understand that God is not gonna change. That, that what God says before, he means now. And and our culture is not supposed to change us so that we can have, uh, marry anybody we want to, or not marry anybody we want to, or live like this or abortions or whatever, multitude of things and even our lives. I mean, I mean, we, we understand that we can't look at ourselves, we have to look at Christ. I mean, can you imagine defunding police? I mean, how smart is that? I mean, how smart is that? I mean, you know, when you really think about it, I mean, I need the police just coming to church to keep me from driving too fast or whatever, you know? You gotta have that. You need that. I mean, Paul said in Romans 7, he said, I love the law. I can't keep it, but I need it. And you need it. And God knows we need it. And and He needs we need to bless Him in all that we do and say. But um Anyway I, I tell you, the mind. Looking at yourself. You know what it reminds me of? When daddy, uh my daddy had a little farm and we had we had some wild hogs. Sometimes his hogs would get out. I still remember trying to fix the fence, all that. But and so he built a hog trap. And so he built the hog trap down the edge of the woods behind the field. So I remember going down there where you put corn in it, and you take a little corn, and you you make a little trail, you know, and then that trail goes into that trap, and that trap's got a a big steel door on it with a spring okay so so here's those hogs see they can't see me they can't see that I mean they, here, here they are that's this is how Satan works that's what I'm telling you this for I mean you, you know you're looking down you looking at that corn man this this is what I need this is what I want and you start following that stuff and you don't even think about the consequences and the mind you see you don't think about it. You get right in them hogs, though. Every time they get right in there, they didn't give a rip about anything but that corn. They get in there, they don't know about that gate. You don't know. I'm going to tell you, you take this devil seriously. You don't know what's going to happen, because I'm going to tell you, God's grace is so amazing. But you get away from God, we've got a big, bad devil in this world. And he will rip you. He will divide you. He will throw you down. He will tear you. He will make you cry. He will break your heart. He will divide your family. He will make it so that you don't have any joy for anything. You don't want anything. But maybe some kind of fix on something you ought not to have anyway. You feed on Jesus. I'm going to tell you. Those hogs, they get in that corn they hit that door. They didn't know that spring door was there. But they found out. You'll find out too. I will too, I have. (laughs) I'm telling you, this devil's nothing to fool around with. He's nothing to play with. You think you're going to just deal, write him off and say, well, I, I won't bother him, he won't bother me. You just give in to him, it's just what you just did. You keep your guard up, okay? You know, I was reading, I don't know who said this, it was a great theologian, I think. He says, the source of all sin, listen to me, is the fact that a person can't sit in their room and be still. Think about that. That's how the devil works. He don't want you to be still. You know what the word busy stands for? B U S Y? Being under Satan's yoke. I mean, we got to be that way. You just get so busy. You know what? You get busy and you don't get. I, I, listen, I'm going to tell you something happened last night. We're coming. Faith can tell you this for sure. She was there with me. We were coming down I-16. And we were coming home. And we hit a, I mean, you know, I was thinking about getting home and all of a sudden I stopped there about Bloomingdale exit. I mean, traffic just stopped dead still. Nothing. Not moving. I don't like that kind of thing. I like to keep moving. I don't like to be in traffic jam, do you? I mean, I can forget I'm a preacher quick out there. And I was there and I was sitting there, you know, and we'd been there. We sit there for about 45, 50 minutes. And, and, but after I started getting there, I see these cars getting off, turning, going back up, you know, the, the ramp, the entrance ramp to the interstate. Well, they were turning and going the opposite way. I mean, just a line of cars. And I thought to myself, you know, we living in this, COVID, I, I think we're living in a world that's under a COVID syndrome i mean you don't know what you're going to say see in the world today so i say to myself why in the world are those people doing that and, and they were just turning off going that way opposite road and i said this is what hurts me now and, and penny reminded me of this i wanted to do it too i said well if i can get up there in time i'm gonna go that way when about that time they stopped and we see these blue lights up there the police start stopping See, these people were, were going the opposite way. They were going the wrong way on an entrance rep on an interstate. All because somebody tried it. Somebody did it first. You know, the devil will say, you know, everybody's doing it, so it's okay. The devil will say, well, a little bit won't hurt. I'm going to tell you, you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. You hear me? But I'm going to tell you, I sat there and I was just about where I could turn and I, I said, well, there's no net. They were stopped. The um, policeman had stopped everybody. <laughs> and these guys, you ought to see him trying to turn around. This one guy pulled in there with a boat behind his truck. And he was trying to turn around on that little narrow. <laughs> I said, man. I said, I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, you know, all because you got to get out. You, want, you, want, you got to do it. But, you know, I, I was reading. Uh, David Jeremiah wrote a book called I Never Thought I'd See Today, I think. And in one of his chapters, he deals with. When Christians didn't even know they were in a war. And he said he sent this as a devotional some friend of his said I just want to cite it to you right quick. He says this is what the devil, imagine you're in a convention of demons and here's the devil giving instructions to his demon army to deal with us. And here's what he's saying he says you do these 12 things and, and the devil will win. Here's what he says, Keep them busy with non-essentials. Tempt them to overspend and go into debt. Make them work long hours to maintain empty lifestyles. Discourage them from spending family time uh, for when homes disintegrate, there's no refuge from work. Overestimate their minds or stimulate their minds with television and computers so that they can't hear God speaking to them. Fill their coffee tables and nightstands with newspapers and magazines so they'd have no time for Bible reading. Flood uh, their mailboxes with sweepstakes, promotions, and get-rich-quick schemes. Keep them chasing material things. Put glamorous models on TV and magazine covers to keep them focused on outward appearances. That that way they'll be dissatisfied with themselves and their mates. Make sure couples are too exhausted for physical intimacy. that, That way they'll be tempted to look elsewhere. Emphasize Santa and Easter Bunny, that way they'll divert them from real meaning of the holidays. Involve them in good causes so they won't have time for eternal ones. Make them self-sufficient, keep them so busy working in their own strength that they'll never know the joy of God's power working through them. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, that's how the devil works. That's why we need to take him seriously. But he works so subtly. You apply that to your own lifestyle, okay? Okay. I frankly think we're in a good opportunity right now through this COVID situation to to, to slow down a little bit and to really capitalize on the war type mentality and apply that to our spiritual lives in particular. I really do. I pray that God would help us do that. Okay, then lastly, and I'll try to finish. What have I said so far? I'm talking about taking the devil seriously. And I hope you have and do and will. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to. You're going to need to. Because he's so devastating. He's so real. He's so horrific. So he will throw you down on your way to Jesus and tear you. He will. He will make you look at yourself. He'll make you look at yourself and not at Christ. And thirdly, the best way to get rid of the devil. You know how? To think about Jesus. Here's what you do. And I've tried it. You go to Gethsemane. You go in your mind and your heart and your word of God. And you get on that Gethsemane road. And you go where Jesus is going to go. And you say, God, not my will, but thine be done. You go to the blood of Christ. You think about what the blood of Christ means to you. It's shed blood. I'm going to tell you, you want Satan to get away from you? You get on on the blood of Christ. He can't take it. He's going to leave. You, you call him a liar. That's what he is. That's what Satan is. And then you go to the cross. You think about Jesus. You think about Jesus. That's what's all coming to Jesus. I'm going to tell you. You just let him tear. Let him rip. But I'm going to tell you. You're going to make it. Because God loves you. And Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you know what? He's the captain of our salvation. And Jesus said when he dealt with Satan, Satan and the devil tempted Jesus. You remember in the wilderness? And he says, It is written. You get into the Word of God. That will get Satan so far away, he left him for a season. And I'm going to tell you that Satan will never leave us completely alone till we're in heaven eternally. I know that. But what a blessing. You know, this same book I was, I was talking about from David Jeremiah, he, he quoted, um, it's been a few years ago, but in Baltimore, Maryland, there was a large convention of Catholics. And they were meeting there, the priest. And what they were meeting for was not to, uh, you know, study theology or uh, some Bible part. They were meeting, according to this article, to learn how to do exorcisms. Because there was so much of a need for that in the Catholic Church. Now, first of all, there's no need for us as evangelical Christians to think about exorcisms. Because we don't need that. Why? Because we have the name of Jesus. That's why. You don't have to deal with that. We don't need need a priesthood of exorcists. What we need is Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. And so you settle with that in your heart. You take the devil seriously. But you take Jesus even more seriously. That he has blessed you and has given you. You know, I was thinking uh, the other day. I was reading somewhere during the... Fourth of July times or something, studying something about Napoleon Bonaparte. You know, that guy would have conquered the world. And it was said in the book I was reading that he spread a map on the table and he had his generals in there and he spread a map and he pointed to a red spot on the map and he said, Gentlemen, if it wasn't for that red spot, I would conquer the world. And that red spot was the British Isles. That was the one thing that he couldn't conquer. But he said that red spot. You know what? I want to leave. Jesus Christ is that red spot that Satan could not count. Satan could not conquer or stop the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He couldn't. He couldn't stop it. And it's that red spot on Calvary's hill that we're trusting. And Satan knows it. And that's why the demons even cried out when they saw Jesus. What have we to do with these Jesus? They don't want any part of him. So the closer we are to Jesus, the further the devil will be away. I did want to tell you what's happening to this devil. It's all right to talk about him like this because it's exactly true. It's from God's word. In verse 10 of chapter 20, you don't have to turn it down. I'm just reading this verse. In time. See, before then, God's going to unleash a bunch of demons. It's going to be horrific. It really is. Uh, On this earth, Um, there's other verses we can talk about, but I don't have time to do that. But here's the end time one. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that's the devil. But so then, we need to understand that we have the peace of God right now. I want you to go out there knowing that we have Christ. And that's all we need for the devil. You be thankful. Don't to make us think about Jesus more and more precious to our lives. For our families, for our loved ones, for the church. And understand though, we've got to take the devil seriously. We've got to take him seriously. But his, his days are limited. And we have the opportunity to put on Christ for this warfare that we must fight. May the Lord bless you. I pray that you'll keep you real close to him and that the devil won't bother you. I wish I could take that away. I mean, I do. But I know that he's there. And I just want to warn you. And the worst crisis we could be in was to be, would be able to say to have an a, a evil awareness, and to be unaware of that evil. May the Lord bless us. Would you bear with me? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for taking care of the devil. We don't understand all that he does, but we know, Lord, that he can mess us up. He can trip us up. He can sneak in even to our prayers, O God, into our churches, our marriages, our homes, our children, We just ask you, Lord, to help us. We're helpless without you. We know, Lord, that by your great name, we are more than conquerors because you loved us. So bless us, O God. Help us to take the devil seriously, but help us, Lord, to love your grace, your mercy, more fervently. Thank you, Lord, for the great victory that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much for being here today. May the Lord bless you. And uh, keep you very close to Him this week.